writers tend to take them as the Paris, the show that connects authors, songwriters and poets with their global audience. So I can continue to bring you high calibre guests. I invite you to go to iTunes or Spotify, click subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Today I'm thrilled to introduce one of the funniest and most entertaining men I have ever had the pleasure to meet. Dave O'Neill. Hey, that's a big, that's a big introduction. <laughs> I'll be funnier. There's more, Dave. Oh. Dave O'Neill has been in the business of comedy for over 20 years and is one of Australia's most recognisable stand-up comics, having been at 15 Melbourne International Comedy Festivals and at dozens of comedy clubs nationally. On screen, you'll have seen Dave as team captain in the ABC TV comedy quiz show, Tractor Monkeys, as well as dishing out life advice and the agony of life, the agony of modern manners, the agony of the mind, and can of worms. Plus, messing about on Adam Hill's In Gordon Street tonight, and Good News Week, he is probably most well known for the honour of being the guest with the most appearances, over 50, on ABC TV's ever popular Spicks and Specs. Dave O'Neill, welcome to Writers Ted Pet with Elizabeth Harris. Oh, welcome, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Lovely to Pleasure you. to be called a writer, as opposed to a comedian. <laughs> As well, well isn't this your fifth book? Yeah, yeah, two kids' books. That, so, well, yeah. Are you a children's author like I am? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I did a few with my, my partners in Illustrator. We did them before we had children. Mistake, big mistake. Well, you had more time. Well, we had more time, that's right. Yeah, and energy. Yeah. <laughs> and one was called Lies Your Parents Tell You, so I wouldn't write that now. No. My daughter sits up in bed reading it and quoting it back to me. How old is she? Ten. Oh. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. I was on that tough. I was at Kaz Cook's, uh, you know, book um, launch about... Uh, oh, Girl Power. Age, yeah, age yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to buy that book. So, Dave, you know, you've been through, through so much in your career, but today I want to concentrate on your hilarious book, The Summer of 82. Sure. It's a real feel-good book. You, you cover some intense themes. Discipline, masculinity, sexuality, mateship, stalking. Stalking, that's right, because I follow a girl in Mildura. But back then it wasn't known as stalking, it was known as unrequited love. Oh, was it okay? I think so. Yeah. Uh, sexuality, there's not much sexuality going on in there, I can tell that's you that. That's what much. I mean, yeah, you're talking about being... There's uh, a lack of, uh, there's a lack of uh, activity in that, in that department, that's for sure. Well, you're talking about how, um, you know, you were giving advice as a 17-year-old virgin, weren't you? That's right, all the girls at school would ask me for romance advice, I'm like... That's who you always go to for your romance advice. A 17 year old virgin. They say, oh, I was a nice guy, so all the girls talk to me. Yeah. We love nice guys. Sure. Dave. Yeah, of course. So, Dave, now I'm um, getting back to this book. What inspired you to write it, and what is your favourite memory from the summer of 82? Um, I always wanted to write a, uh, a memoir about the 80s, and because uh, uh, I'm obsessed by it. And I've written a few chapters, and I put it aside. I saw that TV show, This Is England, which is yes. a, on SBS about the young guys growing up in a housing commission area, and I thought, I've got to write something like that, because I, I, that was a similar, er, uh, similar era, but their show ended with incest and murder, whereas that never happened to me, so I thought, wouldn't it be good to write like a more positive recollection of that time? Anyway, so I wrote a few chapters and I put it aside, and then my son started high school, and so you go on tours of the local high schools and pull back all these memories from when I was at high school. And I thought, Mitchum oh, high, yeah. I went to Mitchum High, yeah. But, mm -hmm. um, and so, but these days, it's not, it's, uh, back then we had a choice of the tech or the high school, that was it. Yeah. 
if you're a Catholic, you went to a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. We were Catholics. So, um, so now with high schools, and I'm just talking about government schools, let alone private schools, you, you can choose about between three or four around here where I live. And uh, so we went for a tour of this school, of that school, and, and, and just going to all these different high schools, they're all the same basically. They haven't changed much since 1982. They look the same. They've got the oval, they've got the canteen, they've got the big classrooms, kids sitting around. And so, so it hadn't changed at all. So I thought, oh, I should write that book again because it brought back all these memories mm. when my son started at school. And so, yeah, that's why I did it. That's why. Also, have something to do as a comedian. It's good to have something to do. Apart from just doing gigs. So. That's good. Yeah. So we've, we've talked a little bit about your children and um, you mentioned your parents, Kev and Joyce, Joyce the Voice. Yes, Joyce the Voice. Yep. And... Um, and what I'm wondering now is, uh, are you parenting your children differently to how you were parented? And oh, definitely, definitely. Well, we got, we got hit for a start. Oh, okay. So, well, you know, a belt. And so, Kev would get very angry. It's in the book. He would get very angry and he would come running in and in a singlet, trying to hide his nether regions and swinging a belt above his head and whack us, you know. It's... My dad had a strap on the fridge. I think we had oh. very similar upbringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... <laughs> I don't uh, hit my children, um, but I mean, obviously, parenting kids back then was a bit easier because you could just say, "I'm going to hit you," and that was the full stop to the conversation. It was, wasn't whereas it? Whereas all I can do is yell at them. So, yeah, just try and be. How more... about cracking some jokes? Does that work? Yeah, crack some jokes. Try and uh, alleviate the situation, but mm. my daughter in particular doesn't like that. So. Is that because she's heard them all before? Yeah, she's right? heard them all before. That's not funny, Dad. So <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, but I mean, my dad and mum and dad were pretty involved with us. Dad was a scout leader and stuff, and um, so we spent a fair bit of time with him. So mm, he was a good role model, and Joyce was intricately involved in our lives. So, yeah. But it, we're even more so involved these days. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. School pickup and all that. There's a lot of dads <coughs> pick up now. Oh, that's fantastic. You got that support. That's really good. Yeah. When we met at your book launch, you told me that you only know comedians. It's true. Well, I don't know writers, really. Well, you know me. I know you. I don't know Arnold, who lives around here, who wrote Sherazade Cafe. Okay. Arnold. Maybe you could introduce me to Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a famous writer. <laughs> Is that like you on Happy Days? Arnold. <laughs> he just had a book out called The Fighter, The Boxer, The Fighter. Oh, okay. Arnold. I can't believe I just made Dave and he'll laugh. My God. <laughs> <laughs> he said Happy Days. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, I've seen him on the street here in Fairfield, and he always talks to me about writing and stuff. Yeah. That brings me to something about fame, you know, um, you're very famous today. Not that famous. Well, we think you are. Sure, alright. So, what I want to know is, do you like being recognised when you're out and about, or does fame have a downside? No, my level of fame is pretty small. So, I mean, I've hung out with people that are... Like, for example, Dave Hughes or Glenn Robbins, people like that, they get, or Carl Barron, for example, they just get hassled all the time. Well, in my network, yeah. I have a number of people who would love to meet you. Really? Yeah. Well, time them around. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be really disappointed that here we are at the Grand View in Fairfield. Yeah, beautiful in Melbourne. hotel, yeah. It's a yeah. stunning place. Yeah. Gorgeous building. Lovely people. Nice people, Michael, yeah. we have Michael, oh, Michael we have Jenny, they're all the, the high-level management here. They you are, the senior management they've made me feel very, very welcome. And oh, I'm, that's good. 
made me a coffee. So I didn't tell them. I think I, I tell them. Oh, you, talk, you tell someone, they don't pass it on. That's all right. They welcome me anyway. Smiled yeah. at me, made me a coffee. Oh, that's I offered good. to pay. They wouldn't take my money. Oh, that's good. It's fantastic. So I'll it's all going my tab, probably. I'll be back. Oh, but my level of fame is not that perfect. high. Occasionally, when you go interstate, people come uh, more when you go interstate and, uh, like, say, Queensland, hmm. people get excited about you. But certainly around Fairfield, where I live, no one cares about me. Well, you know, that could have changed with um, Captain Coco. With the band? Well, yeah. that's right. Well, when the band broke up, someone did say, how is David and you're going to be famous now? Because they thought they had <laughs> ambition for Let's fame. Let's talk about that band. Yeah, was it Way to Make Girls? Or was it all definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, oh, well. we love music and we went and saw bands and we just thought, well, why can't we be in a band? And the guy at high school was in Boomcrash Opera, famous Hayden's oh, band. Yes. Hands up in the air, uh, onion yeah. skin. Anyway, and so we thought, that's a way to meet girls, a way to get on stage. Did it work? Not really. Oh, well, I met Sonia. I know. Uh, but who? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out well. Definitely does work. Being in a band it definitely gives you attention that you want as a teenage boy. Definitely. Because we used to play, uh, you know, uh, we played the Lady of Zion, which is a Catholic girls' school. We played their dance and stuff, so definitely. Yeah, we got quite a bit of attention. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you don't even have to be that good. <laughs> we weren't, we weren't good musicians. I want to talk about Sonia. Because, you know, you, you did invest a lot of time in tracking her down. Yeah. And, um, you know, you write about that in your great book. And then you say that you ended up having a better relationship with her younger brother. Yeah, that's right. Well, what happened was that I hitchhiked to Madura hmm. to see her on New Year's Eve and surprise her. And she was surprised. And uh, <laughs> particularly her dad. And they gave me a lift to the caravan park where I stayed for New Year's Eve. They gave you Lilo. Yeah, they gave me Lilo. But he, the younger brother, who I can't remember his name, um, he was a great kid. And so we got on really well. He was probably only a year younger than me, two years younger than me. Shane, was it Shane? And, and so, yeah, we ended up hanging out together. Was it, Mal was it Malcolm? Oh, Malcolm, that's right. Yeah. And we got on really well. Whereas Sonia and me didn't get on well. Well, that might have had something to do with her boyfriend too, you know. She had a boyfriend who I also got on well with. They probably yeah. married those guys. So, yeah, um, good times. So, getting back to that, I, ju I just want to know, um, for all those young men who think they'll never get a date, let alone have a child, you've had three, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. What dating advice can you offer? Dating advice? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, it's been so long since I went on a date. You wanted, me to, you wanted me to surprise you with some questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise question. Dating advice. Ask someone out. Uh, just ask someone out, you know, a good thing is just to ask someone out for a drink or for something during the day. That's what I've read on dating websites. Just oh. ask someone out during the day where there's no pressure. At night, I think there's a fair bit of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I reckon ask them out for a drink during the day or late afternoon. What about a play date if you both got kids? Oh, yeah. Well, if you're parents, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I, I think, yeah, in, uh, in our age group, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, you know, I'm middle-aged. There's definitely, oh. and there's definitely a bit of uh, that going on with... Uh, Divorced, separated parents. Yeah, there are. Sure. And fair enough. And there's a really good place to go in um, St Kilda Paul, St Kilda Venture Playground. Oh, I've never been was, there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've heard that's great. And there's Probably a fellow there. there who runs it. He's a youth worker, but he's also a musician. Oh, right. Adrian Thomas. Oh. Check him out. He's fantastic. So, what do you like to do in your spare time, John? Uh, oh, good question. I like to watch TV. You see yourself, perhaps? Not myself. <laughs> I don't mind watching myself. I watched. I did a spot on one of those comedy galas this year. 
I had seen it. I watched it. I thought it was pretty good. I'm pretty hard to judge on myself. <laughs> but no, I tend to... Um, what happens? So once I get... I mean, obviously I spend a lot of time with three children. Yeah. Once I get them to bed at night, or if I'm home during the day, I do like to watch a bit of TV. And I watch a mixture of... I watch a few movies, but more series these days. And just a mixture of comedies and drama, basically. I do like a good drama, like, you know... Um, Vikings or something like that. Oh, I'm a bit of a fan of Doc Martin because I'm a nurse like, fish. Oh, yeah, Doc Martin. Yeah, I think, is he Asperger's, Doc Martin? Yeah. He must be Asperger's. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching, um, quite a fan of uh, Upper Middle Bogan, the, mm-hmm. uh, the comedy show. I love that show. I think it's quite funny. So um, I watch that. I get some good laughs out of that. And what else have I been watching lately? Oh, what else have I been taping? Oh, um, Westworld, which is on Foxtel. I think it's just more fun to watch yourself, you know. Oh, you watch yourself? Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. What, I, um, what I'd love you to do is share an excerpt from your sure. great book. Sure. Do you want me to read or, or just tell you it? Just, oh, whatever works for you. Um, favourite oh, part? Or? Favourite part. Well, my, my favourite part of the book is probably... Uh, I'll just tell you the story. Oh. The, the story of the bomb. Off the <laughs> which is a great. Um, basically, what happened was that we we finished school yeah. and we we went home. No, we went registered for the doll, and then we went home. And then that and night, we all did, yeah, yeah, in, so, in, yeah. in nine eighty two, mm-hmm. doll was very easy to get. And so we registered for the doll, and then we went home. And my kids said to me, "How did you know how to make bombs before the internet?" Well, we didn't need the internet. We had this uh, guy called Brian. He just came on every mm-hmm. night, six o'clock, and he used to tell us everything we needed to know on the Channel Nine News. Brian Naylor. You sing the song. Yeah, Brian told me, Brian told me, Brian told me so. I know everything I need to know, but Brian told me so. Great time. Yeah, great, yeah, great time, yeah. That's why I'm a comedian, not a singer. <laughs> and so, anyway, we sing around the dinner table. You've got to imagine there's four teenage boys, mum and dad. And we couldn't see the TV. Dad was the only one who could see the TV, but we could hear it. He positioned himself in the other chair that could see the TV. Yeah. And so we could hear it, and we heard this Brian come on and go, you know, two boys were arrested today in suburban Adelaide for making homemade bombs. And we were like, oh my God, you hear a pin drop in the house. And then he told us how to make them. They used them by using chlorine and brake fluid. And we're like looking at each other, the brothers, like, oh my God, we've got chlorine, we've got a pool, you know, like, we've got brake fluid. Dad's a, a trades teacher. So can we please be excused from the table, Dad? And within 10 minutes, we we're making these bombs down the pay. And so the next day we got my mates together, we made, we decided to up the ante, make some really big bombs. We've got some containers from Dad's garage. And we took them down the paddock and we made this great bomb. But we didn't want to throw it. We were gutless, like any terrorist organisation. So we <laughs> recruited younger, stupider people, a kid called Phil, who lived in a house back here on the paddock. And he stuck his head over and said, what are you guys doing? And we're like, Phil, come on, join the terrorist organisation. <laughs> so we got him to throw the bomb and he threw it. And it bounced, boom, boom, boom. And it just sat there for a little bit. We're like, oh, that went bang. It was a really loud explosion. It was the biggest one we made. And it showered us with dirt and... We were all laughing, all the neighbours came out and it was one of those occasions where everyone stood on the street corner wondering what, what that noise was and yeah. an old lady said it shook the foundations of my chook shed and we were like, oh your ex, yeah, your head's going to be laying omelettes, yeah, for weeks. <laughs> so anyway, then the cops turned up, we heard the, the car screech up and the doors go and uh, the cops walked down and we recognised the cop, he went to a high school. Oh, he was yeah. one of my dad's scouts from oh, his scout trip, but right, obviously yeah. he was in his 20s now. Darren, Darren, his name was? Darren. Darren, Darren Jew. And he gets out, <laughs> and it was the easiest case he'd ever solved. He looked at the bomb, then he looked at our house and went, oh, yeah, case solved. 
And so, and then Dad rocked up, and Dad thought it was like a, Darren was just dropping around to see his former scout leader, but oh no, Dad goes running up to him, g'day Darren, how are you? And Darren's like, oh no, this is not a social visit, Kevin. Do you recognise these containers? And Dad's like, yeah, they're my sons, they're from the garage. We're like, oh no. <laughs> so we had to go to the police station, and they, there was a big cop, and the bomb expert from India was on the side. Oh, yeah. You know what, it was unusual, oh. I don't know why there's so many bombs going off. And he, <laughs> and he couldn't work out what was in the bombs. And he yeah. said, what's in the bombs? And we yeah. said, chlorine and brake fluid. He goes, how did you, the big cop's like, how do you know how to do that? And we're like, Brian told us. He's like, Brian, who's Brian? So we started singing, Brian told me, Brian told me, Brian told me. So, yeah, I love that story. It's such a great tune, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great tune. And they used it in Sydney too, you know. Yeah. For Brian Henderson, yeah. Yeah, oh, value yes, for money. That's right, that's your money. Book. Yeah. That's in this great. Book. That's in the book. There's a lot of details. A lot of details yeah. about the seventies and eighties in the summer of eighty two. That's so, right. See that crime uh, history continued because um, you know being from a family of four boys. Yeah. Dorset's no good, and your brother Mark captured my attention. Yeah, Mark's quite a character in the book, and he's a. As my mum said the other day, you were the worst. Now you're the best. Um, oh, and he, okay. he, well, he's very good with mum and dad. He's so started. He's a slow starter. But he was, <laughs> Classic middle child, yeah. out of four boys, and he was very naughty. Got in trouble a lot with the police, and uh, he got kicked out of school because he set fire to the chemistry lab when it was meant to be getting changed for Oklahoma, I think it was. Yeah. So yep, yep, he set fire to the lab and got kicked out. See, I, I'd like to actually read this. I know you don't read your but I do. Go on. So, um, page eighty-eight. You write. We're talking about a kid who was kicked out of school for setting fire to the chemistry lab mm. while he was meant to be getting change for his part in the school musical. Hmm. There's young Mark in the lab where he's supposed to be putting on his farmer's overalls to sing Oklahoma. Yeah. Wait. The chemicals are just too tempting. So it's time for a quick experiment. Vavoom. Up in flames the lab goes. See, I have a brother who is an illustrator. Yeah, right. And uh, his name is Bernie. Right. He's going to illustrate my second children's book, which will out next year. So, he's similar to Mark in that he used to enjoy lighting the Bunsen burners in the chemistry. Oh, yeah. Well, they still got Bunsen burners, too. Mike, Mike he goes, I've got Bunsen burners. Okay. Yeah, Mark was very naughty. Very so, naughty. you know, the difference with our brothers is that um, he wasn't caught. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, Mark was caught. But you had your own way of managing Mark when your parents were away. Can you talk about, do you call it mild night or MYOB night? Oh, make your own. Yeah. Make you were very own. inventive, Dave, and strategic <laughs> in managing your brother. Yeah, well, he was put in charge of us when mum and dad went went on holidays. And he was like, yeah. an, at that stage, he was then an apprentice at Telstra. And so he would invite his mates over for a card night. Huh. And then I was working in a factory at that stage, so I had to get up early. So he was like... You get in danger money, weren't you? Yeah, I was getting... I worked in a factory where we got... Um, uh, you know, you looked at the pay pay pack and it had heat allowance and dust allowance. Yeah. So it wasn't a great job, but it was certainly a wake up call. If I had done that job at the start of year twelve, I probably would have studied more. I reckon. You know, <laughs> should have done that. But yeah, Mark. Yeah, was he was hard to. I can't remember what I did with Mark, but he yeah, he was. Um, There's something yeah. about disconnecting some fuses, I think. Oh yeah. So yeah, he that he was having. He invited his mates over for cards and they having this big party. And I went to the fuse box, pulled out the fuse, and threw him the front lawn. Went back to bed. Yeah. And then okay. he had heard all their their music. Mm, oh, and he blamed the neighbour, of course. So yeah. I think when he read the book, he found out that it was me. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it was brilliant. 
So that job, um, you know, crawling through that, we're crawling through those dust. tunnels. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the hot dog. Hot dog shop. Yeah. yeah so I got Cindy, a, beautiful Cindy. With Cindy, yeah. yeah. Um, I got a job in a hot dog shop, Electro Hot Dogs. People from Melbourne may remember if they're old enough. On Turak Road. Sorry, I don't remember. Yeah, I remember Electro, Electro Hot Dogs now, you're too young. And uh, Electro Hot Dogs. And so I used to work there with a girl called Cindy, uh, who I eventually went out with. And um, she was dressed up as like Boy George or Hazy Fantasy. And she had these outrageous outfits on. Turned out she was from Mitchum, where I live. I just never met her. She was a Catholic and I was a Protestant from oh. different sides of the railway track. So, oh, yeah. so yeah, so that was very exciting meeting her. But I eventually got sacked from the hot dog shop because the owner accused me of stealing the rolls oh. and selling them to an opposition shop, where in fact I was just eating them. Where, oh, so, so where's yeah. the proof of that? Yeah, I was eating them. Okay. Um, but then I, my twin brother was also working the other twin, and uh, he got a full-time job, so I just took his job, the part-time job, and just kept turning up as him. Are and you going Yeah, yeah, and the owner would say, oh, didn't I sack you? I'm like, no, that was my brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. yeah, we're not identical anymore. He would be at probably 20 kilos lighter than me now. He lives in Switzerland. He works for the Red Cross. Oh, does he? Oh. Yeah, he's a good twin. I'm the bad twin. Oh, well. Yeah, he's doing good stuff for the community. That's good. Yeah. So, but hang on, you're doing heaps of good stuff, don't you? Sure, sure. sure. You know, Plenty of charity gigs. One of the, uh, but it's not only that, the ability to make people laugh is such a gift. Yeah. And right. not everybody can do it. No, not everyone can do it, but it just takes practice. Okay. Sure. So tell me about that. <laughs> Making people laugh. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, when I was at school, I was pretty funny. And uh, and then when I was at uni and stuff, and a few girls said, you should be a stand-up comedian. You know, you're quite funny. Now, when you're in your 20s and girls say that, that's, you know, that's a call it of action. something, doesn't it? That's a call of action. You should do it. <laughs> and so I'd always wanted to do it. I just didn't know it was a job. I had no idea. Because especially in the 70s and the early 80s, comedy wasn't that prevalent. It was very fringe. And there, there were a few comedy clubs that started, but... I've been to maybe one work function and seen comedians, and we'd seen comedians on scout camps. I used to have comedians turn up and do gigs at scout camps. So um, it was definitely something I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to do it. I thought it was some sort of something too out of my reach, but it turns out anyone can do it if you, if you want to. Well, you know, that brings me to um, for those who want to launch their comedic careers. Yeah. You know, is it really the hard slug of gigs and, and being heckled? And if so, what is the best way to deal with a heckler? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't get heckled that much anymore, but certainly when you start out and you've got to do a lot of bad gigs and they call them open mic nights, which mm. is anyone can get up and do it. And if you have the inkling, there's plenty of them around now, more so mm. than when I was down here. Just go, I would advise people to go along and have a look first mm. and then approach the person running the night and ask if you go on the next week and just jump up and write some stuff down and jump up and do it. But mm. Hecklers, look, best thing to do with a heckler, Repeat what they say. Yeah. So if they say, yeah. so if they say, um, you're a fat idiot, you go, oh, what'd you say, mate? I'm a fat idiot, which gives, it lets everyone else in the room hear what they say. Because often hecklers, they do it so that no one else can hear, or only a certain portion of the audience can hear, especially in a big room. Yeah. Oh, you're a, blah, blah. oh, really, mate? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then so you repeat what they say, and then you think of something quick to say back. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go, bang. And, and yeah, it doesn't even have to be that funny. If it's quick, it doesn't have to be that funny. So, on the front cover of this great book, yeah, you are pictured wearing a Devo energy dome. Yeah, can you explain the impact Devo had on your life and what proper formation 
Are we not men memes? We are Devo. Yeah, I don't actually know what that means. It's just something they say in one of their songs and the album name. But what it means more so on the train. Oh, on the train. Yeah, yeah. on the train. Alright, so we, we, we went and saw Devo at yeah. 982 they toured at the Festival Hall. They, they had a few number one hits in Australia. In what were year. they? Whip It. Yeah. Um, Girl You're Warm. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else. You're going to sing it, are no, whip it, crack that whip, do no, no, no. <laughs> Sit on, girl, you want sit on top of the greenhouse tree. Did you bring your guitar? No, oh, no, no. No, I played the bass. Um, so anyway, so we went to Devo. Mm. And it was a great night. We were all dressed up in our best. You know, we were slightly alternative kids. So we didn't, we weren't, we weren't. Does that mean you used to wear makeup? I didn't make No, I didn't wear makeup, but I had makeup on that night because I'd been rehearsing for the gang show. Okay. Which is uh, quite, that's a girl. Guy in theatre show, Boys yeah. Go Theatre Show. Okay. The really cool people know about that. Theatre show. That's sarcastic. And so, and so we we dressed up in our best trendy gear, like nice jeans and lemon V-neck jumpers and lemon V-neck. Mate had a pink one on. That was a brave move. And um, and then we had like homemade Devo hats we made. These red flower pots that Mum had made. And so we were on the train. Joyce made them. Joyce made them. Craftsman. And so we were on the train and we were on a high, you know, mm. singing these Debo songs. Unfortunately for us, uh, the Angels and Rose Tattoo were playing the Mind Music Bowl that night. And so all their fans got on to Richmond. So this is a classic last train out. So for those, for those that weren't kids of the 80s, mm. tell me about the Angels and Rose Tattoo. Angel Angel Rose Tattoo are hard. Yeah, bald headed guy. Yeah. Uh, tattoos. They're basically hard rocking. They're great bands, but they uh, fans were hardcore bogans. So. Guys from the outer suburbs with mullets, stretch jeans, moccasins, they're kind mm. of you know, tough guys. What sort of suburb are we talking about? We're talking about Bark, Lourdes, Ringwood. I grew up in Mitcham. There were yeah. plenty of them in Mitcham. And so they all just would get on the train and they would look at us and just be like, what the hell? What are these guys? And so we were like their enemy. And so they just, one of them just came over and said, oh, yeah. He didn't know where to start. Because I had, he started with the shoes. Where'd you get your shoes from? Mm. I'm like, oh, a shoe shop. He's like, no, you got it from an op shop. I'm like, because that was an insult. I said, where did you get ugly from? Your name's wardrobe. I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> then he just, I was hoping my energy dome would transport me out of there, but he just picked yeah. up and threw out the window. And he didn't said, work. and then, yeah, it didn't work. Oh, and he's like, have you got makeup on? I'm like, why would I have makeup on, mate? <laughs> I did have makeup on. So, um, and so then, because uh, I come from the gang show rehearsal, yeah. I had foundation lipstick on. And uh, yes. yeah, I forgot to take it off. And anyway, he just goes, I'm going to bash you. And uh, at that point, what I actually had in the book, um, when I tell it live, I do it a bit different. But in the book, Evan Stanziotis came through the carriage. He was a tough guy from high school. And he's now a lawyer. Hello for listening, Evan. And he came through the carriage. And he was a big Greek guy. And he was a big Devo fan. So we got on very well. And he's like, what are you? And he, and he sort of pushed this guy aside, the big yeah. tough guy. Like, what are you doing to him? You know? Yeah. So... And so, and then, and then these guys, yeah, nah, nah, nah. And so they, we pull up at the station and they pull the door open and then he fell out on the wrong side of the track, the tough guy. Oh, the, he did the tough, classic tough guy move. Yeah. They pull the door open when you're not meant to and then jump That's out. Cool. But he Is jumped. Yeah, it was a blue one, I reckon. One, okay. And he jumped, he jumped out on the wrong side of the tracks and fell on the tracks. All his mates started laughing. <laughs> oh, Gary, you idiot. You know. Oh, Gary. Oh, I think it was well, Gary. This is it all. Classic name. Yeah. And then uh, Evan's like, are we not men? And we're like, yeah, we are Devo's. Taking a chant in the train. Good times. This is fantastic. Well, the whole book's great because I've read it from. Oh, good on you. Well, you're the one person who has. 
Now, I'm sure many, many people will be reading it, and particularly after your podcast. Yeah, sure. You no, know, truly. Cool. <laughs> What's your next project, Dave? Uh, well, I've, I've, I've written a TV show, I don't have a film soon. Uh, I'm just doing a pilot though. It's based on my life as a stand up and a dad. Oh, so uh, that's going to, we're going to film that soon. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it all planned for Can December. Can you talk about people are involved in it? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, of course. So it's based on my life as a comic. So I play myself. Uh, Glenn Robbins is in the first episode. He plays himself because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to get him to do charity gigs. Yeah. Uh, he plays himself. Um, Brent Favola's in it, he plays himself. <laughs> well, it's all based on an incident where I did a football club gig 15 years ago okay. where I insulted Lance. I did a joke about Lance Whitnell, the Carlton legend, right? Yeah. And I didn't know, but Lance Whitnell came from that club. That was his original, and his mum was there when oh, I made it. So I'm using Brent Favola as the footballer in this, in this just because Brent Favola's Look, I'm too scared to ring Lance Whitnell, let's be honest. So <laughs> I know Brendan Favola, so I rang him. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. So, yeah, that's going to be out Good next Brendan, year. Yeah. But I'm also working on a comic novel. I've started. Oh. I've written a chapter yeah. on a comic novel. I, did, I, did, I had no plans to do it at all. Right. But I just had this idea. So yeah. I started writing it, and it's, I think it's pretty funny. Of course it's funny. You're from you. Well, you know. What else would it be? And, again, that's based on the it's a satire on it at the entertainment industry. So, oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, and funny. And funny, but I've got to change everyone's name. Yeah. Are so. these people going to be recognised? Yes. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an amalgamation of people in there. It's half me, half other people. and you know, Composite characters. There's composite characters, so yeah. you can't get sued, basically. Perfect. Okay. So do you have a website or blog yeah. where my listeners can find out more about your work? Yeah, just go to um, go my Facebook page. I do update that a lot. Um, I think that's it's Dave O'Neill. But if you just go to my website, daveoneill.com.au, there is a link to Facebook. I don't update my website a lot, but I do update Facebook a lot because it's so easy. Yeah. I'm not giving a plug for Zuckerberg, but it is an easy thing to do. And you see, you know, you would you would have reached your friends in it by now, so... I've got a public page. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got a, yeah, like a fan page, which is the one I... I don't spend any time on my personal page at all. So, Dave, this is a signature question I ask all my guests. Right. As because of my children's book, Chantal's Wish, what do you wish for, for the world? And uh, world peace. most importantly, for yourself. Because it all starts with us, it all starts with you. What? Yeah. Uh, what I wish for for the world? Oh, I just, you know, as Rodney King once said, why can't we all just get along? Um, good point. That'd be good if everyone could just get along. Yeah. You know, I can't see war stopping, but if, uh, if we just looked after the... I saw this great documentary about astronauts. And this astronaut said, when he was up in space, he looked at the Earth and he said, it's like an oasis. And he said, and we're killing it. Mm. So, um, interesting from an, an astronaut, because they're like military guys, you mm. know what I mean? So, if we could just look out for the planet, yeah. it would be good. But I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what I can do, you know. But uh, I'd be the occasional benefit. I was going to say, you mentioned fundraising. Yeah. Oh, no, I just do. But more of my benefits are for schools, local schools and kinders, I tend to do. Mm. Just because I'm in that world, so... They must love yeah. that, though. They, yeah, that must really help them. Look, I do, I do benefits, but I'll tell you what, if the benefit's no good, I just get up and say, anyway, I'm just here to support the course, and see you later. <laughs> Some of those people have benefits in bars with the people talking and no one wants to listen. What's the point? So. Well, I'd like to invite you to help us out. Pat Guest is a children's author. Oh, yeah. He has a son, Noah, who has Jashen's muscular dystrophy. Yeah. And um, 
we are creating an event where Rosalie Hand, author of The Dressmaker, oh, wow. will be there. She's got a book out called There Should Be More Dancing. Araki Gudjan and his wife Marsha will be dancing. So if you would like to do... Sure. Yeah. Well, and that money will also would all go to um, Shins Massive Yeah, great. To help those kids. All right. Because that is unfortunately eternal illness. So. Yeah, so good. And I've nursed a couple of those children, so. Um, full on. It is full on. So. Yeah, look, anything like that, for sure. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Dave O'Neill. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute delight. Dave O'Neill, thank you very much for guesting on Writers. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.